And welcome back to the 49er Way podcast. Don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Also, hope everyone celebrating had a good and safe Thanksgiving weekend. On today's episode, we will discuss week five in the National Football League, recap all the storylines and headlines from around the league, and recap the 49ers' horrific loss to the Miami Dolphins. And I will also break down and answer the question that is, what is wrong with the defending NFC champions? I don't know what occurred on Sunday at Levi Stadium. I think it's best to say a tragedy happened on Levi Stadium on Sunday. Or a better word is a disgrace of a performance. I don't know how else to put it into words, but I could probably sit here all day and just completely roast the team for that performance. But I'm not going to do that. I don't want to sit here and take all that time just roasting them. You know, we'll actually get into facts here, but... The 49ers got, got absolutely dominated by the 1-3, now 2-3 Miami Dolphins, 43-17 to in, in what was just an absolute disaster from beginning to end. It just, it just wasn't pretty. There's no way around it. It shouldn't have happened. This is a team that the Niners were supposed to beat. You're at home, and you have a fully healthy offense. You get your starting quarterback back. And my goodness, it just, it couldn't have gone worse. I haven't seen a 49ers game like this since 2017 or 2016. It was, it was really bad. But more importantly, in 2016 and 2017, you know, we didn't have the greatest roster and it was very young and and inexperienced. I didn't expect, you don't expect this kind of result from an experienced team that just is one year removed from making it to the Super Bowl. That is why... This game is not to be taken lightly. And the scoreline is not to be taken lightly. Oh, it happens. You give up 43 points. You get blown out once in a while. Yeah, it happens. But I'm sorry. You do not give up 43 points to the 1-3 Miami Dolphins at home. Into the team stats. The 49ers now fall to 2-3 and three and remain in last place in the NFC West. They're not out of it yet. But we'll talk a little bit about that later on in this episode. Getting into the team statistics. 19 first downs. All right. You know, not too bad. 2 and 10 on third downs. The third downs were getting better each and every week. And then this week was just a complete disaster. Over 2 on fourth down. Here's what I will say about the first time the 49ers went for it on fourth down. I was not happy. You could have done all kinds of things on a fourth and one. Starting with the most logical is... A quarterback sneak. Jimmy Garoppolo is fantastic at quarterback sneaks. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to do it because of his ankle. I don't know. You could have done a jet sweep to Debo. You could have done an end around to Ayuk. You could have done a screen pass to McKinnon or, or Kittle. Like There are so many different things you could have done that are so creative. And when you have the best offensive-minded head coach in the National Football League, and they dial up a draw play for a loss of one, I was not impressed. I was not impressed with that play. And those are the kinds of times that you need your offense to step up, but you need your coach to step up. And I feel like from Kyle Shanahan all the way down to the end of the roster, it was just not a pretty performance from anybody, including the coaching staff. And Robert Sala, goodness gracious, giving up 43 points is just unacceptable to Ryan Fitzpatrick. The 49ers did rush the ball for over 100 yards. Raheem Mostert came back from his MCL injury. He looked great. 
Um, the Niners had 128 passing yards. That's just it's that's just not good. That that just can't happen. And it was very evident that Jimmy Garoppolo just did not look himself. And we'll talk a little bit more about Jimmy G. But he 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 didn't look great. And I knew it from not even the first interception late in the half. I knew it from the first possession. Jimmy just didn't look right. And I don't know if Kyle Shanahan just felt the urgency that, shoot, we're 2-2, two and two, we need our quarterback, our quarterback back. But I I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it was a mistake or, or not a mistake. I, you know, it happens and, you know, the, the Niners got to live with it. The Niners average about, I'd say, 350 yards plus a game. This is usually an offense that gets a lot of yards running the football and everything. Only 259 total yards. It just it just wasn't pretty. The protection was horrific. I don't know what in the hell is going on with this offensive line. Trent Williams has had two games now that have been absolutely brutal. Brunskill's struggling at right guard. And maybe Kyle Shanahan wants to give Colton McVitz a try. I, I don't know. But McGlinchey's struggling. The whole O-line is struggling. I don't know who to pick out. And I'm not going to pick out one guy. Because when it comes to the offensive line, it's about five guys as a unit. But the Niners offensive line needs to pick it up because Jimmy G had no time to breathe. And the guy is playing on a gimpy ankle and you're just going to throw him to the sharks. It, it was not, it was not, it was not pretty. It was a brutal affair for the offensive line and the protection needs to get better because guess who we're playing next week? Aaron Donald. So if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, you better help out your quarterback who is balling out there hurt or else he is going to get mauled by the best defensive lineman in the National Football League. So the O-line really doesn't have a choice but to get better. The Niners turned the ball over three times on the day. Obviously, the two interceptions from Garoppolo, which were absolutely terrible. I, I don't know what else to, to say. It was just like his ball floated as if it was like a beach ball. It was, it was, it was bad. Um, they had one fumble. They lost it. And then seven penalties. Seven penalties just, you know, you can't. You can't win football games when you penalize yourself. And lastly, they got absolutely smacked in time of possession. The Miami Dolphins controlled the clock for 36 minutes. The Niners, 23 minutes. They got owned. And that defense was out there for a long time and got their behinds smacked. It was brutal. From offense and defense. And we'll go to now individual statistics. And there weren't a lot because it just wasn't a pretty game. Jimmy Garoppolo, 7 for 17 for 77 yards, 2 interceptions. He was benched at halftime by Kyle Shanahan to quote-unquote protect Jimmy. I guess that makes sense because we were getting smoked at halftime anyway. So there's no point if if Garoppolo can't run around behind the line of scrimmage. Then yeah, I, I don't blame Shanahan for doing that and when you get behind early you can't run the football and control clock you can't do that it's 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 as simple as that so it is what it is you know I understood the move but if you think that CJ Beathard is going to bring us back from down whatever it was 20 30 points you're crazy because that's not going to happen CJ Beathard came in in the second half and really wasn't any better 9 for 18 94 yards on a touchdown pass I I don't know CJ I'll tell you this you can bench Jimmy Garoppolo all you want for Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, but, but they're not Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't care how bad Jimmy Garoppolo played on Sunday. He wasn't healthy. The whole team played terrible, not just him. But 
it, it is what it is. And Garoppolo is going to try and go on Sunday. And, and I really hope that he has a much better week of practice and he's healthy and ready to go. Because if not, that Rams defense is going to eat us alive. Raheem Mostert, like I mentioned before, had a great day. 11 rushes for 90 yards in his return. Mostert was the best player on the football field for the 49ers on Sunday. Period. George Kittle led him receiving with four catches for 44 yards. That can't happen. And the defense all around was just absolutely abysmal. And it starts with the secondary. And the secondary was absolutely garbage. And I'm going to start with the fact that obviously I previously stated why wasn't Akella Witherspoon starting while he was active. Kyle Shanahan answered that question and now it makes sense. Akella Witherspoon wasn't healthy after all and was only dressed in case of emergency. Having said that, this makes me even more pissed off at this Brian Allen character. Because you know what? If Akella Witherspoon is manning up and saying, I will play on a bad hamstring if I need to. You should not have to play. The backup should be like, you know what? I got you. I got you. You're hurt. Don't worry. I'll play in place and I will, I will ball out for you so you don't have to play. You don't go out there and get your ass absolutely smacked. Ryan Fitzpatrick was like, we got a practice squad corner. I'm going to target him right out of the gate. And guess what? Brian Allen single-handedly cost us a 21-point deficit in the first half. Or 14-point deficit, sorry. Ryan Fitzpatrick was like, hmm, we went to him once and it worked. I'm going to go to him again and again and again. And it kept working. And until it got to the point where the Niners were just down by that much points, Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala had no choice but to be like, Witherspoon, you're in there. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Akella Witherspoon said, I'll go in if you need me. Like that, that cannot happen. Under any circumstances, that cannot happen. And that was just a, a disgusting performance. To a positive note, Jason Verrett had another great game. And boy... Do we need Richard Sherman back more than ever? He's not going to play this Sunday. He had a minor setback with his calf, but I pray to God that he can come back out as soon as possible because we need him. The good news is Emmanuel Mosley is apparently progressing. If he can start on Sunday, that would be absolutely lovely. But that's where it stands for individual stats. It was it, it was a game to forget, and I'm just going to move on and... Keep the train rolling and sure, the Niners are two and three. It is what it is. The injuries have killed them. It happens. This stuff happens. This is football, you know? On to the question of many people who didn't watch Sunday's game or haven't really watched many 49ers games in general that are asking, what the hell is wrong with the Niners? If they had a dominant defense last year, Garoppolo was playing great, that Debo and Kittle and Mostert and they, they were as dominant as anyone. I'm about to answer your question right now. What is wrong with the 49ers? I'll hit it with you right now. Let's start with the Super Bowl hangover. Yes, I was one of the people before in the offseason that said, eh, the Niners are talented enough. They'll be fine. They're going to win 11, 12 games. They got a tough schedule, but they got the guys in the house to do it. Guess what? You can't do that if the talented players aren't on the football field. And for the Niners, they haven't had a consistent offense and defense to be able to do that. Now, was Sunday's result an excuse? 
Hell no. That shouldn't have happened, period. Could have the Niners may have lost to Miami in general and maybe it was a closer game? Yeah, that's very possible. But it is what it is. Having said that, back to the Super Bowl hangover. Here are a few facts from the last few NFC Super Bowl winners or losers and how they have done within the first five or six weeks of the following season. Starting in 2015, Seattle lost the Super Bowl to New England with the Malcolm Butler interception. In 2015, the Seahawks started 2-4. and four. That's right. The Seattle Seahawks went on to win the NFC West this year. Obviously, if the Niners fall to 2-4 and four after Sunday, they're not going to win the NFC West. They may not even come into third place because of how stacked the division is this year compared to how it was in 2015, right? But hey, Seattle started 2-4. and four. They got off to a bad start too. 2016, Carolina coming off of a 15-1 season. They lost to Denver in the Super Bowl. The following year, they started 1-4. and four. They also dealt with a lot of injuries that season as well. They stumbled to a 6-10 and 10 record. In 2017, the Falcons coming off of their Super Bowl collapse against the Patriots. They started 3-2 and two the following season. They weren't that great. In 2018, the Philadelphia Eagles, who won the Super Bowl, they were also 2-3 and three the following season. And in 2019, the Los Angeles Rams were 3-3 three and three last season after losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And this year, the 2020 Niners are 2-3 and three after losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl hangover is real. I'm not going to say, oh, the Super Bowl hangover just happened. No, I mean, the Niners have been hurt with injuries. They've been killed with injuries. Bosa's gone for the year. Sherman hasn't played since week one. Our quarterback has missed two and a half games now. Mostert's been in and out. Tevin Coleman's missing. Debo Samuel missed the first three games. George Kittle's missed two games. Brandon Ayuk's missed the game. The list goes on. Everybody has missed a game at some point this season. That's just how awful the injury bug has bitten the 49ers. Forget COVID. The injury bug has bitten the Niners badly. So that's where I'll start with answering that question. And obviously, I already mentioned injuries. Injuries have not helped. Jimmy G's not 100%. The secondary is an absolute disaster. It's a gong show without Sherman. Mosley's out. Will Kwan Williams is now out. Dante Johnson is out. Witherspoon played the game with a banged up hamstring. That's like our, our entire secondary. Well, our entire cornerbacks, our safeties have been healthy, thank God. But our cornerbacks have been a disaster. And the depth has been tested all the way down to the fact where we had to start Brian Allen right off the, the practice squad. And then our defensive line has also gotten hit. And speaking of the Niners defensive line, you want to ask what's wrong with the 49ers defense? It starts with the defensive line. Why did the secondary have so much success last season with interceptions? Because you had Nick Bosa and D Ford and then DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead in the middle mauling quarterbacks that they had no time to throw. That's going to result in turnovers. The Niners D line is not the same at all. Trading DeForest Buckner might have been a bigger problem than it may have seemed. Having said that, if you had a healthy Nick Bosa and a healthy D Ford right now with Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead in the middle, this is a different story. However, we don't have Nick Bosa. We don't have Solomon Thomas. And we don't have D Ford. It really changes the game when you don't have those guys. Our best D lineman right now is Kerry Hyder. 
He is the best guy on our defensive line right now. No offense to Kerry Hyder because that man is balling. But that's a problem. If Eric Armstead or Javon Kinlaw or any of those guys aren't your best player on defense, Ryan, on the defensive line, we got problems. But if people who haven't watched the 49ers this year are kind of looking at the record and be like, whoa, what's up with the Niners? DeForest Buckner is in Indianapolis. Nick Bosa is out for the year. Solomon Thomas is out for the year. And D. Ford has a lingering back injury and he hasn't played since week one. There's your answer. This defensive line is completely different than when it was last year. Now, if a lot of these guys get healthy for next year, we're talking about a different story. But if we're talking about right now, this defensive line is not even close, not even remotely close to what it was last year that took us all the way to the Super Bowl. I already talked about our O-line. It's just, it's, they're having their issues. I think they'll figure it out. Western Richburg should be coming back in the next two weeks. So that would be huge. But the Niners are missing Joe Staley, maybe Mike Person as well. But listen, Trent Williams is a, is a, is a veteran. He's a seven-time pro bowler. I know he'll figure it out. But the O-line is struggling very badly. And lastly, it's hard to win when your key players aren't healthy. I've already mentioned that already in this episode and for weeks past too. You can't win when you don't have your star players out there. And just knowing that, and that's probably how it's going to be for the rest of the season, this is just going to be a testament and show how resilient and gritty the 2020 49ers are. I know, especially from last year, they've been through it all. I know they'll bounce back. They got a tough one on Sunday against the Rams. This is a big, big football game on Sunday night. It's not too often that you get a second chance after looking like crap on Sunday night football one week. Guess what? The Niners have a second shot. They have a second chance to come back out two weeks removed from their ugly loss against the Eagles. Now they get to play the Rams, but the Rams are hot. They are red hot. Jared Goff is playing awesome. That run game is rolling with Daryl Henderson. That passing game is good with Woods and Cup and those guys. And that defense led by Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. This is a good football team. Every time the Niners play the Rams, it's a dandy. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope the real San Francisco 49ers, the playoff NFC champion 49ers, is who shows up. Rumor has it, the Niners are going to be wearing their all-white uniforms. It is not official yet, just a rumor. And if it is... That could be the little bit of confidence this team needs. Because when they wear all white, this Niner team plays very, very good football. I don't know what it is, but they love those all whites. Anyways, the Niners play the Rams Sunday Night Football Week 6. It's a huge game, a season-changing game. You're in the division. I'm expecting the Niners to come out and play as if this is a playoff game. Because it is very close to being a playoff game. You lose, your 2-4, and four, you win, you're still in the thick of things at 3-3. Three and three. It's a big football game Sunday night against the Rams, and I can't wait. Shanahan, McVay, it's going to be a fun one. I can't wait. To the rest of the league, looking at from week 5, starting with Thursday night football, the Chicago Bears defeat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers with a 20-19 win. Nick Foles is now 2-0 and against Tom Brady all-time. Obviously, Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl when the Eagles played the Patriots. Brady and the Bucks fall to 3-2, and two, and they had a lot of penalty issues in that game, and they got to get that sorted out because they play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers next weekend. The Bucs, they got to figure that out. But the, these things are bound to happen. You're with a new team, you know, no preseason, a fairly online training camp, and or not training camp, but off-season program. 
these little things are bound to happen. So I think I think the Bucks will figure it out. But how about the Chicago Bears? Four and one. I don't think anyone saw that coming. They beat a few cupcake teams early on, but beating Tampa Bay is a is a pretty good statement. And listen, Nick Foles doesn't have to do a lot. If that defense, which they are very talented, if they keep balling, the Chicago Bears are gonna be a wild card team. Maybe even test the Packers for the division. Who the heck knows? But the Bears look good at four and one. The Bucks got a big one against Green Bay next week at home against the Packers. Carolina wins their third straight game under first-year head coach Matt Rule with a 23-16 win over the winless Falcons. Teddy Bridgewater, another really good day, threw for 313 yards and two touchdowns and got some help from Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, who had a big day as well. Despite a great effort from Todd Gurley, it wasn't enough to save Dan Quinn for his job as Dan Quinn and GM Thomas Dimitrov were fired after that game. Raheem Morris will now take over as the Falcons head coach. The Falcons may think about a rebuild rather than bringing in a coach to win now after this season. Who knows what's going on with the Falcons, but man, that is some tough stuff for them. But how about the Panthers going to three and two? That's did not see that coming, but for the Falcons, I thought this was going to be a wild card contender. Boy, oh boy, that's a, it must be tough to be a Falcons fan and Feel bad for Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan and Todd Gurley. The Baltimore Ravens smacked the Cincinnati Bengals 27-3 and improved to 4-1 in a very competitive AFC North. Ravens look great. They bounced back. They bounced back real good over there. The Houston Texans get back to their winning ways with a 30-14 win over Jacksonville in their first game without Bill O'Brien. The Texans finally look like the Houston Texans again. Brandon Cooks, a big day in his tex- in his first season with the Houston Texans. The Texans seem a little more loose, and that's scary because maybe they could strip off a few wins and make things in the AFC a little interesting, but good for the Texans to kind of get back in there. It's, it's a good sign for them, especially for the future. The Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden and the Raiders shock everybody with the upset of the week by beating the undefeated and defending champions, Kansas City Chiefs, 40-32. to Derek Carr. 347 yards on the day and three TDs. The defense was all over Patrick Mahomes. And I would say that is the signature win for John Gruden so far in his second round with the Raiders. And they move one game behind the Chiefs for first place. That was a heck of a win. And the Raiders are a very scrappy team. And you know, I know this may this game may come to a surprise for most people. And we'll talk a bit more about this game later in the episode. But these divisional games are always like that. But you got to give your hats off to the Raiders to go into Arrowhead. I know it wasn't a fully packed Arrowhead, but still, anytime you go on the road in a hostile environment, whether it's crowd or no crowd, that was a really impressive win by the Raiders. They definitely a big confidence boost for that team. The Arizona Cardinals hand the New York Jets their fifth straight loss, and the Cardinals improved to 3-2. and two. Not much of a surprise here. The Cardinals got back to their winning ways in a big day from Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. The Pittsburgh Steelers improved to 4-0 for the first time since 1979. I had no idea that was the last time they were 4-0. The Steelers have, have always been a good team, at least since I started watching football in the early 2000s. Steelers have always been a very good football team, but I didn't know they haven't been 4-0 since 79. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday in a big day from Ben Roethlisberger, and rookie Chase Claypool went off with four touchdowns, and the Steelers remain unbeaten. Very impressive stuff. I'm not surprised, but we'll talk about the Steelers later on as well. The LA Rams went into Washington and took care of business 30-10. to 
But the story in this game had nothing to do with the Rams. It had to do with Alex Smith, who played his first game since 2018, coming back from what looked like a career-ending knee injury. That's such an incredible story. You know what? I'm going to shout out my guy as a former Niner. When I started watching 49ers football, Alex Smith was the quarterback of this football team when he got drafted back in 05. It's, it's an amazing story. I love seeing that happen. Alex Smith is a very good quarterback. And you just feel for him. And Washington is playing with a lot of inspiration on their side. They're fighting for their coach who has cancer. And now possibly your starting quarterback who's coming back from really a knee injury that no one thought he would be able to play football ever again. And here he is. And it's an amazing story. And I'm, I'm really proud of Alex Smith. And if anyone out there just doesn't believe in something or doesn't believe they can come back from anything, just look up Alex Smith's story and... That's enough inspiration, I think, to have to give yourself some positivity that you can get through anything, and especially for Dak Prescott, who we'll talk about later as well. The Cleveland Browns are 4-1 and one for the first time since 1994 when Bill Belichick was the head coach. Unbelievable stuff. Kevin Stefanski seems to have finally solved one of the hardest codes in sports, which is the Cleveland Browns organization. I know it's still early. But the Browns did score 32 points against a very impressive Indianapolis Colts defense. The Browns are right in the thick of things right now in the AFC North. The AFC North is just stacked. The Steelers are 4-0. The Ravens are 4-1. The Browns are 4-1. The AFC North is a very good division. And the Bengals with Joe Burrow are no pushover either. AFC North is a division. But how about those Cleveland Browns? Really impressive 4-1 start. And hey, if the Browns make the playoffs... We can say they made it in 2020. So that is probably the only thing that makes sense in 2020. The Browns are 4-1? and one? Hey, why not? The Browns suck every other year, but the one year where everything's upside down, the Browns are amazing. The Dallas Cowboys defeat the New York Giants in a thriller in a bittersweet afternoon for the Dallas Cowboys as unfortunately they lost quarterback Dak Prescott for the remainder of the season with a broken ankle. Dak was the only guy keeping the Cowboys afloat really for their first three, four games of the season. The defense still gave up 30 points against the Giants, even though the Cowboys still won this game. But I mean, it, it sucks. And for Dak Prescott, you, you got to feel for the guy. This guy is out there battling, fighting every Sunday, fighting for a contract. You know, such a great story, sharing his whole mental health stuff and Dak Prescott is a guy, he doesn't talk a lot, he's a, he's a good guy, he's not a guy who talks smack, he's a very likable guy in the league, and you just hate to see something like that happen to him. The good news is he should be back next season, the question is for who? Is Dallas finally going to give him a contract? The part that I would hate about that is, really, you're going to give him a big contract when he breaks his ankle? Like, I, I, I don't know. That's a really fishy situation. And the Cowboys talk about, oh, we have Dax back and blah, blah, blah. You know, we'll see what happens next year. But anyways, back to Dak Prescott. I wish him nothing but the best. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And it just, it sucks. Having said that for the Dallas Cowboys, you would think when your starting quarterback is done for the season, your season's over too. But lucky for the Dallas Cowboys, they have a former starter as their backup, who is now their starter, Andy Dalton. Hey, remember him? Started for the Cincinnati Bengals, went to the playoffs for, I think, maybe three, four years in a row, lost every game in the first round. Andy Dalton balled out. 
Andy Dalton's a good quarterback. And with the weapons the Cowboys have, they're not dead. The only problem is their defense need to, needs to get their stuff sorted out. Because giving, thir- giving up 30 points to the New York Giants, that ain't, that ain't pretty. I don't care if you won the game. That's just not okay to give up that many points to a terrible offense. Just should not happen. But hey, the Cowboys should still be the favorites to win the pathetic NFC East with Andy Dalton, the quarterback. I really do. I think they are still the best team in the NFC East. Moving on, the Seattle Seahawks did their thing again on Sunday Night Football. As for some reason, they just wait until the fourth quarter to play football. And they beat the Minnesota Vikings late. Russell Wilson honestly just makes these late game heroics just religious at this point. He's been doing this year in and year out. It's no surprise. Here's another stat. I didn't know the Seahawks have never been 5-0. and It's the first time they're 5-0 and in franchise history. It's pretty wild considering they don't have a good defense. But Russell Wilson's playing unbelievable football. DK Metcalf's been fantastic. Seattle 5-0, leading the NFC West. And then last night, the LA Chargers. Oh, you got a feel for Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. Blow another big lead, this time to the New Orleans Saints, who have been struggling. But it came down to Michael Badgley, who missed the game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. Breeze and the Saints survive in overtime and improve to 3-2. What a wild week five it was. It didn't look like there were a lot of marquee games on the schedule at first. But a lot of these games ended up coming down to the wire, and it was another great week in the NFL. Looking ahead to week six, speaking of marquee games, there's a handful of marquee games heading into week six. The 4-1 and one Bears go to the 3-2 and two Panthers, who've won 3-0. and oh. Who would have thought that would have been a good game in the beginning? That's not a bad game at all. Browns at the Steelers. Whoo, this is a good one. The Browns 4-1, Steelers 4-0 at Heinz Field. That's going to be a great game. Easily the best game of the early slate. That's going to be a fun one. Let's see how Baker Mayfield and OBJ play against that very, very good Steelers defense. That's going to be a great game. At 4 o'clock, Aaron Rodgers takes on Tom Brady. Two of the best of this era going at it for maybe the last time. Maybe they meet in the NFC playoffs. Who knows? But you never know when it's going to be the last. And for football fans in general, you got to enjoy this one. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, mm, 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 get the popcorn out. That's going to be a fun one for sure. Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, hopefully Devontae Adams plays. Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, oh, that's going to be a great matchup. Sunday Night Football, Rams Niners, talked about that earlier. Always a fun one when McVay and Shanahan go at it. Every time the Rams and Niners play, it's just a, it's, it's a crazy game. And I'm sure all our Niners, uh, for all our Niners fans, our heart rates are just going to be up way too much because that's... How it always is when we play the Rams. It comes all the way down to the wire. And hopefully this time it doesn't come down to third and 16s. Because I don't want to hobble the Jimmy Garoppolo trying to go on a game-winning drive. And successfully convert third and 16s on a hobbled ankle. But that should be an awesome game. Kansas City goes to Buffalo in what should be an amazing matchup. And whoo, sucks for the Bills Mafia to not be in the crowd for that game. That's going to be a wicked game. That it was supposed to be Thursday night football. There will be no Thursday night football this week as the Bills are playing Tuesday night against the Tennessee Titans. But the Bills will host the Chiefs on Monday at 5 o'clock. Going to be a great one. And then to cap off Monday night football, the original game, the Arizona Cardinals go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. That'll be a great game too. Exciting games for week six. It's going to be another great week. Some great games on the schedule there. And that will bring us to how we end every 
episode of the 49er Way podcast. That brings us to the Week 5 49er Way Weekly Awards. And we start with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award. The candidates were Derek Carr, great day for the Raiders at Arrowhead, leading them to a victory. Russell Wilson, making a great fourth quarter comeback for the Seahawks. Chase Claypool, who went off against the Eagles. Or Michael Gallup, who did not have the most savviest day in the stat sheet. But if you watch the end of the Cowboys game, you know why I made him a candidate. Two insane catches on that last drive. You are worthy of being an MVP of the week if you make the catches Michael Gallup did to win the game in the final seconds of that game. Disgusting. Having said that, the winner of this week's Jerry Rice MVP award that you guys voted, rookie and Canadian Canada representing here, Chase Claypool, the winner of the Jerry Rice MVP award, the first rookie to win the Jerry Rice MVP award so far this season. Seven catches, 110 yards, three touchdowns, passing, and one rushing touchdown. Claypool's disgusting. I saw him at the beginning of the year for Pittsburgh, and I was saying, damn, him and Juju are going to be quite the threats for Ben Roethlisberger. This is this is a really good team, and that was a really nice draft pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Chase Claypool, MVP of the week, and I think he well deserves it. The guy went absolutely off, and I am sure he's going to be picked up on a lot of waiver wires this week for fantasy. On to the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award. The candidates were... The Seattle Seahawks, who are 5-0 for the first time in franchise history. The Las Vegas Raiders, who beat the Kansas City Chiefs and handed the champs their first L of the season. The Cleveland Browns, who are off to their best start since 1994. Or the Dallas Cowboys, who won a resilient effort after losing their starting quarterback. The winner that you guys voted with 22 votes on the day, the Cleveland Browns. This is the team that I think should have won this award last week after trouncing the Cowboys, but hey, they beat a really good Indianapolis defense this week. To put up 32 points against that defense is very impressive. But not only that, but the fact that the Browns are even 4-1, and one, I don't care who's coaching that team. I don't care who's the quarterback of that team. The Browns have been, it just like, it has gotten to the point where no one has ever believed that this team will ever be good. And right now that they're 4-1 is like, whoa. Like, actually, the Cleveland Browns are 4-1? and one? Yeah, the Cleveland Browns are 4-1. and one. They're a good football team. And they finally look like the team that we thought they were going to be in the offseason of last year. And then last season was a dud for them. And now this year, they seem to really have things going. And Nick Chubb is, is hurt. They're doing this without him, too. It's very impressive. I really do like Kevin Stefanski. He was a great coordinator with the Vikings, and he's done a brilliant job with the Browns so far. Hey, I'll tell you this right now. If the Browns make the playoffs, Kevin Stefanski's your coach of the year. I, do, I don't care what any other coach does. If you take the Cleveland Browns, who have been the worst football team in not even the National Football League, but in pro sports for the longest time, and you take this team into the playoffs, you are automatically coach of the year. But again, it's only week five. Let's not get too excited about anything yet. But if I'm Browns fans, I am having a party because that is unbelievable stuff, four and one. But like I said before, in 2020, whatever's up is down. And the Browns have been shit for as long as I can remember. And in 2020, they are looking like one of the hottest teams in football. So again, what's up is down. That's just how 2020 has gone so far. To the Cody Pickett L of the Week Award, 
The candidates were our 49ers getting blown out by the Miami Dolphins at home or Michael Badgley who doinked the game-winning field goal at New Orleans for the Chargers. The winner that you guys voted with 19 votes, the San Francisco 49ers getting blown out by the Miami Dolphins. The Niners deserve this. You play like crap, you get the L of the week. That's just how it goes. And the Niners deserve that because, like I said earlier, it was just a disgrace of a football game. And yeah, you deserve the L of the Week award when you give up 43 points to Ryan Fitzpatrick. No offense to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a good player. But I'm sorry. That that cannot happen on, on any level. To the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award, the candidates were the Cleveland Browns off to a 4-1 start, first time since 94. The Pittsburgh Steelers off to their first 4-0 start since 79. The Carolina Panthers on a three-game win streak. Or the Las Vegas Raiders upsetting the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. The winner that you guys voted with 22 votes, John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders are your surprise of the week. How could you not say this is a surprise? To be quite honest with you, any of these candidates are a surprise to me. The Browns going 4-1, hell yeah, that's a surprise. The Panthers winning 3-0, yeah, that's a surprise too. I didn't. I expected the Panthers to be one of the worst teams in football. Pittsburgh being 4-0, I'm glad they had the lowest votes because I expected Pittsburgh to be this good. I didn't expect them to be 4-0, maybe 3-1, but I expected the Steelers to be one of the best teams in football if Ben Roethlisberger's healthy, and that's exactly what it's shown so far. Cleveland against Cleveland against Pittsburgh should be a great game on Sunday, and I think Baltimore plays Pittsburgh in a few weeks as well. That's going to be an excellent game as well. Great games all around. But the Las Vegas Raiders are your surprise of the week. Going to KC, beating the Chiefs. What a win for John Gruden. Like I talked about earlier, I really do think that this was Gruden's signature win since he re- since he got the job in his second stint with the Raiders. It's a hell of a win. Anytime you go into Kansas City, who has owned the AFC West for as long as Andy Reid has been the head coach, it, it, it was an excellent win for, for the Raiders, and it's a confidence boost for that young team that, hey, we beat the Chiefs, we can beat anybody. The Raiders could well be there in a wild card spot later on, and I really do think that they will be there. The AFC has a lot of good football teams this year. And last but not least, the Week 6 Survival Pick of the Week. If you are still in it, congratulations. The, the teams that I have this week to pick are the Miami Dolphins over the New York Jets or the Minnesota Vikings over the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons haven't won a football game. Neither have the Jets. Both are on the road. Just pick against them. Saves you a pick of picking a good team. The Vikings aren't that great. Neither are the Dolphins, but they should both be able to beat the Jets and the Falcons. Anyways, that is the end of this week's episode of the 49er Way Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we will see you next week. And of course, don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Hope you all have a great week.